Turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 6 this morning. It's great to have Dana here this morning. We celebrated our anniversary yesterday. Three weeks. Hallelujah. God is good. Exodus chapter 6 verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of the land. We've looked at Moses as a leader. We've looked at the calling of Moses. And now today I want to look at Moses as an instrument of God's delivering power. Because God called him to be a deliverer. And God used him to deliver the nation of Israel from the Egyptian slavery context. God brought them out. So I really want, to, want this to track in two ways today. Number one, let's look at a character study of Moses for all of us uh, Bible lovers out there. We'll get to see a little bit more about his life and how God used him. And it reflects on us and how God can use us to help set other people free. You know, if you've been set free, you've earned the right to set somebody else free. My friend Mike Shreve used to always say that. If you've been set free from something, you earn the right to set somebody else free from the same thing. Amen? You encounter somebody who has a struggle similar to what you had, you can say, oh yeah, but guess what happened to me? And you can tell the good news of what God has done for you. Amen? So, so on one track, we're looking at how God can use us to be the deliverer or be the word of deliverance for somebody else. But on the other hand, I want to talk to you who are really struggling this morning. Maybe you're struggling with thoughts that have just become obsessive. Maybe you're struggling with addictions. Maybe you're struggling with uh, a persistent sin you just can't seem to get over in your life. I'm here with good news this morning. God can set you free from everything. I have good news. It's not good news to me to, to, to think I'm going to have to live in bondage the rest of my life. Sin a little bit every day and stumble my way to heaven. The good news is I can be totally set free. God, can, God has sanctifying power. He has delivering power. He can set you free and you can live a victorious Christian life and shout your way all the way to heaven. That was worth getting up this morning for, amen, to hear that right there. You can live a victorious life in Jesus. I feel it in this room right now. You can live happy. You can smile the rest of your days until we go meet him, hallelujah, over yonder. Elbow your neighbor. I give you permission. Elbow him. Say, now that's good news. We're going to look at the power of deliverance and how God used Moses to deliver. First of all, God gave Moses the authority of deliverance. He gave him authority. He says in Exodus chapter 7 verse 1, this is, this is, a, this is a, an interesting verse to me. He says this, he says, So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. I have made you as God to Pharaoh. I have made you as God to Pharaoh. And Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. 
It's interesting that Pharaoh was considered a god in Egypt, just as the Roman emperors were considered gods. Pharaoh was considered a god, but the Lord is telling Moses, I'm making you as a god to Pharaoh, meaning I'm giving you divine authority to go and speak for me, to be my spokesman and speak my word to Pharaoh. And when you speak, my authority is going to be on the words you speak, and I'm going to put things into motion when you get there. God is using him as a divine instrument of his delivering power. And all Moses had to do was show up. All he had was a shepherd's staff. He didn't come with guns and weapons and swords and shields and horses and chariots. All he had was a shepherd's staff. God said, that's enough. You show up and all I need for you to do is open your mouth and declare what I've told you to say. And I don't think there was a whole lot of profundity in what he said. He basically just showed up and said, Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. All he did was deliver that simple message to Pharaoh. God says, let my people go. And that's all God needed. It's all God demanded of him. Just have the boldness to open my mouth and speak my word. And I'll get on the word. And I'll put my spirit on those words. And I'll do things that you could never even dream possible through what I'm going to, from, from the power that I'm going to put on those syllables that you speak. Come on, can somebody shout hallelujah? God has made Moses as God because even though Pharaoh was believed to be a God, he wasn't a God. And we'll see here that Pharaoh really wasn't in the driver's seat. It was God in the driver's seat. It's just like in the book of John. There's an irony when you read the trial of Jesus in the book of John. As he stands before Pilate, here Pilate is the authority. He's the governor appointed by the Roman Empire. But really in that trial, Jesus is in the driver's seat. He's really in the command of the whole trial. It's a, look at that at some time in the future and see how that works out. But nonetheless, we see this power of authority given to words and to men throughout the Scripture, especially in the ministry of Jesus Himself. In the New Testament, Jesus, if we just look at the book of Luke, just one of the Gospels, in the book of Luke, Jesus took the Father's authority that had been given Him and put it into action to do good for others. In the book of Luke, He usually commanded people to be made well. I don't see Jesus praying a lot for sick people. He, in general, commanded people to be made well. Look in Luke chapter 4. He commands Peter's mother-in-law to be made well and touches her. He cleanses a leopard by the word of his authority in Luke chapter 5. He commands a spirit to leave in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4. The winds and the waves that were overtaking the disciples in the boat, Jesus stands up and commands them to be made calm. And he also commanded action from the person who needed a miracle. In Luke chapter 5, he commands the sick person to do something. It's still a word of his command. I was amazed years ago, I preached a message on the healing ministry of Jesus, and I was amazed at how little prayer was involved in the healing ministry of Jesus. Now, he prayed. 
He spent time cultivating intimacy with the Father. He would go out, the Bible says, often early to pray. He went on the mountain to pray. He asked the Father for things in prayer. He spent all night in prayer before He appointed His disciples. And He was the Son of God. So it's not that Jesus didn't pray. He had an amazing prayer life. He had the model prayer life. But when it came to healing the sick, He often just used the authority that the Father had granted unto Him to heal the sick. And I've noticed that a lot of the men of God that I've been able to mentor under, most of them gone to heaven now, got to that point in their ministry that they just started commanding people to be made well. Dr. Elias Malky was one of those. I've been in meetings with him. I was in a meeting with him in, a, uh, in an Arab village in uh, Israel proper. And we were there, and one night uh, he w- we had an open-air crusade meeting, even though the mayor of that little town was Muslim. But Dr. Malky had a private meeting with the mayor, and the mayor said, don't tell anyone, but I watch you on TV. (laughs) And so we went into that open village that night, had an open crusade, and I saw a young man come in with his, uh, it looks like he's lost a lot of his hair, and he was on a walker, and he just looked like a chemotherapy patient. And I'm sitting only a few chairs from this young man, and Dr. Malky walks up to him, and he says, you're healed in Jesus' name, go see your doctor. He's going to prove it. And you know what I thought? Man of faith and power. Lord Jesus, I hope he's right. (laughs) I was like, are you kidding me? He just said that? Well, uh, so we went home and Sunday morning rolled around and I was getting ready to walk into my church to preach and I got a phone call for Dr. Malky. He said, I want you to tell your folks who were with us that night, Brother Hans, that that young man went back to the doctor and all signs of cancer were completely gone from his body. I was there. I was there in that meeting that night. It happened by a man of God commanding something that God's given us authority over. I am tired of cancer. I'm tired of Christians dying of sickness and disease. Call me crazy if you want to. I really don't care anymore. I've just been reading the Bible and I read how Jesus did it and that's where I want to be. I want to be like where the apostles were, commanding the sick to be made well, raising the dead, seeing deliverance happen, seeing demons come out of people. If we're only preaching a head gospel, we might as well quit now. This is a spirit and mind gospel. This is a Holy Spirit anointed gospel. God has come to wreck the kingdom of the enemy and to set people free in this lifetime. Come on, if you believe it, put your hands together and give him a praise. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, I feel the presence of God in here this morning. Hallelujah. He gave Moses the ability to come and take authority by his words over Pharaoh. You know, my friend Kent Christmas said he started doing something years ago. He'd start walking in a room and taking authority over every demonic power in the room before he preached. So you know what I started doing? What my friend Kent Christmas did. I walk in and start taking authority over every demon power in the room. Why? Because we're in the driver's seat. They're not. They're not. We're in the driver's seat here. God gave us authority, bless God. Hallelujah. 
God gave us authority. Why do we feel? I don't. I'm on a preacher. I'm on a. I'm on a soapbox this morning. But why do we feel we're so defeated and put out and down and walked over? Listen, we have a. We know that this isn't heaven yet. We're going to heaven, right? But He said, "Pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." And why can't we command some of the kingdom blessings now into our lives? God has. God has opened the door for Holy Ghost power to come to you and kingdom benefits to come to you and God has opened up the kingdom for the kingdom is here now and we just need to open the door and walk into the authority that he's given us Jesus said in Luke 10 19 behold I give unto you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy except those few four or five things you can't defeat no, he didn't say that. I give you power over 90% of the enemy's work. No, he said, I give you power over all of the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Then Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 28, Behold, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Now you go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. I have all authority. Now you go and do the work and I'm standing right behind you. That's what he's telling Moses. Moses is kind of a type of the believer in the New Testament, so to speak, and he's here having no power in himself to make any of this stuff happen. He's just there obeying the command of God, shepherd staff, speaking what God gave him the authority to speak. Can somebody shout amen? amen. Raise your hand and say, I have the authority to speak God's good news over people's lives. Hallelujah. 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 You have the authority to speak good stuff over your work associates. You have the authority to set the tone in your family and your household to speak blessings and good things over your, your household. You have the authority in, over your neighborhood. God didn't put you in that neighborhood just by chance. You're there by divine assignment. And look at your neighborhood like that, that God has placed you there so your neighbors can be blessed, so the people around you can feel the power of your prayers going forth. They don't know how blessed they are. Second thing I want to say about deliverance. When deliverance comes, God comes and starts breaking down and judging all the idols. He came to Egypt and what he started doing was judging all of the idolatry of Egypt to show his power and show his greatness. You know, there were ten plagues. And if you look at each of the ten plagues, they correspond to a certain Egyptian god. Let's just roll through this. First of all, Moses comes and he throws down, before the plagues began, he throws down his shepherd's staff and it becomes a serpent. That serpent was basically a symbol of the power of God to those people because the snake was a symbol of Egypt's power. So when Moses threw his rod down and it became a serpent, Pharaoh's magicians did the same thing. You think they didn't have some power? 
They threw down their staffs and they became serpents. But what happened? His serpent swallowed them up. God was showing them a greater power has arrived on the scene. A greater authority is now here. One greater than Solomon, as Jesus said, is here. Now God's authority has come to swallow up all the other authorities. You said, yeah, but Brother Hans, I've been struggling with something in my life for years and I just can't seem to get the the handle over it. Listen, today I declare a greater authority has appeared in your life. A greater authority has opened the door and He's able to swallow up anything that is binding you, hindering you, uh, impeding your progress in the faith. Somebody shout amen. The first plague is the blood, the plague of blood. The Nile River becomes all blood. Hopi was the Egyptian god of the Nile. And I think God is saying, I have come now, and this God is nothing before me. I have power to control the Nile. I can turn it into blood at the word of command of my servant. He comes and there's a plague of frogs. The Egyptians believed in the frog goddess named Hecht. Hecht was a giver of life. But God shows up and says, no, I'm the one who controls the frogs. Aren't you glad God controls the frogs? Then there's the plague of lice all over the land. The Egyptians believed in a god of the dust called Geb. And God is showing up saying, no, let the dust become lice at the command of Moses. And God's saying, I've come to pronounce judgment on your gods and I'm really in control of the dust and the winds. Then there's the plague of flies. The Egyptians believed in the god Kephri, whose head was the head of a fly. And God has come and said, no, I control the flies. Oh, hallelujah. We need that in the summertime around here in Jesus' name. And then the livestock is diseased. The Egyptians believed in the goddess Hathor, the goddess of love and protection, who had the head of a cow. And God's coming and saying, no, I have control over the livestock. Ashes were turned into boils. Isis, an Egyptian goddess, was the goddess of medicine and peace. But God's saying, I can afflict you with stuff you can't be healed of. And then there's hail. Newt was the Egyptian god or goddess of the sky. And God's coming and saying, no, I control the skies and the heaven. Seth was the Egyptian goddess of storms and disorder. And God comes and turns them into locusts, saying, no, I have come to judge the god of God Seth. And then, then there's this darkness plague because the Egyptians believed in the Egyptian sun god Ra. And God comes and lets darkness cover the earth right in the middle of day, showing, no, I have the power. I'm the one who set the sun in its place. And then finally, the greatest of all those plagues was the plague of the firstborn, where every Egyptian family that did not have the blood applied to their doorpost, their firstborn child died. Even the firstborn son of Pharaoh died as a judgment against the house of Pharaoh because Pharaoh was a god to them. And God's showing up saying, no, I have judged all of your gods and I've come to shake heaven and earth and I've come to set my people free because I gave them a word centuries ago that they would inherit a land. I gave it to a man named Abram and showed him that land and no power is going to hold them from the blessing that I've decreed in their lives. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. 
Come on, I feel this this morning. Come on, hallelujah. No devil in hell can hold you back from the freedom and deliverance and blessing that God has decreed for you if you just open up, speak the word of deliverance over your life and say, God, you come and you set your foot down on this situation and you set me free. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord a praise this morning. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. God was showing up saying, I have control over all. These gods are nothing to me. There was a lady years ago, a young lady in my church in the Washington, D.C. area who had been raised as a Hindu. And she said, you know, um, she was open to Christianity but still believed in all of her Hindu gods. And she said, one day I had a, a vision. God gave me a vision. And in this vision I saw a table filled with these gods that I believed in. And a hand came out of heaven and smashed every one of them. And she said, I knew then that Jesus was the real God. That He was the only God. And He set her completely free. You know, maybe we don't bow down and worship idols or believe in Hindu deities and 900 million gods in their pantheon. But still yet, we allow idols to come into our lives sometimes. And we give adoration to something other than God in our lives. And it it can occupy the space of our heart. And when that happens, we start pushing God out of that space in our heart. And we allow that idol to occupy ourselves. And we become consumed with that idolatry in our life. But I'm telling you, God is here this morning with the power to judge all those idols in our hearts. He wants to remove all of the idols of our hearts and make a clear path for Him to come in. You know, when God comes, He doesn't just come as an appendage to our life. He doesn't just come as, a, as an extra feature to our life. When He comes, He comes to take over our lives. He comes to occupy all the house. He wants to open up the, the windows and open up the doors and open up the closets and get the cobwebs out of the garage. And He wants to go through all of your house and occupy every part of you so you can be completely free to live the life you were meant to live and to be completely completely free to set other people free in this lifetime. Some people live in such defeat all the time, they can never help anyone else out. Because we're living in such defeat. Let's get rid of that this morning. This is what I love about the holiness message. I know holiness has kind of become a bad term in some circles, but it doesn't need to be. It's a Bible term. And what holiness means to me is there's a, there's a negative view of holiness and a positive view of holiness. Let me give you the positive. That is, God has come to occupy our lives to such an extent that He gives us power to live an abundant life in the here and now. And we can be set free from any power, any force that dominates our lives or tries to dominate our lives. That Paul said, sin shall not have dominion in your mortal body. You do not have to cave under the power of sin. You don't have to cave under the voice of depression. You don't have to cave under the voice of anxiety. You don't have have to cave to all of this negative stuff that I'm never going to be blessed and God's never going to make a way and there's never going to be a way out. No, I believe all of my family's coming in going to be saved and full of the Holy Ghost. I believe God's going to save America. I believe revival is in the air right now. Everywhere I go, I see people hungry for God. I believe revival's coming to Elizabeth City like we've never seen before. I believe our best days are ahead of us. Hallelujah. You can whine. You know, the sky is falling all you want to. I just believe God is coming 
come down to set us free and show us his greatest move in these days. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. The church isn't a defeated church. We are a triumphant church. The church isn't downcast. The church is victorious. Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against this church. You're going to go forth with authority. You're going to heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the leper and preach the... My God, I feel like preaching this morning. And preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hallelujah. There's some depressed people going to get happy. There's some broke people going to get debt free. There's some sin-cursed people going to be blessed and sin canceled in their life. Some of you are getting set free right here this morning. Come on. If you'd get out of that dead state you're in, lift your hands and give God a shout. Maybe he would come and do something in your life. Come on, give him a best shout of this morning. Oh, hallelujah. The word of deliverance is in your mouth. It's on your tongue. You don't think God can heal? I'm going to tell you a story. There's a little creature, and his name is Tommy. He's my cat. And he's been my cat for 15 years. And he is a fat cat. He's the round mound of rebound. I mean, he's the, he waddles when he walks, you know. He, he, he is a feral Appalachian mountain cat. He came from a litter that was roaming outside of my mom's property. And uh, my daughters were little girls at the time, and they, just, they were just dying to have an animal. So... Uh, their mom told them, if you get that cat, I'm not going home with you. So what did we do? We went and got a cat. <laughs> and we coaxed him out from under a piece of coal mining equipment with food. He was the first one out. It's always been his downfall. And he was the first one out, and he came to food. We took him home. Within a few months, he got really sick. All of his litter died of a blood disease. They had a blood disorder, and all of his litter died. So we're living in northern Virginia. It's really expensive. So we take him to a veterinarian 24-hour emergency room. It costs me a lot of money. And we take him to this emergency room in Leesburg, Virginia. And they had a heart specialist and a this specialist and a blood specialist and a and they said, we want to send him to another specialist. And I said, and, and what am I at? They said, you're, you're at about $1,200 right now. I said, I think I'll take him home. <laughs> I think that's my limit here. And so the doctor comes out, and we're standing here with my daughters, and here's what the doctor says, take him home tonight because he'll die before morning. And I thought, man, that's a bad deal. You speaking those words in my, I mean, maybe, maybe it would, I don't know, you, whatever. So we took him home, and my daughter Sarah, she had him, and uh, she, she, she laid him in bed with her because he was so sick. And she said, um, Dad, would you sleep in here with me tonight? Because she was afraid that cat was going to die. But he was alive the next morning, and everybody was praying for him. And then they gave him some miracle healing water from an evangelist that my mother-in-law loved. You can't make this stuff up. 
They gave him some miracle water from a healing evangelist we know. And we prayed over him. He's, he's living in Camden right now at 15 years old. The only one that made it out of that literal life. You can never convince me God didn't touch that cat. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I just gave you faith for your animals right then. I just... God did it. Somebody said our animals are going to meet us in heaven and talk to us. I'm going to leave that there, but if he talks to me, I want to have the conversation one day. Do you remember, man, what we did for you? Anyhow, God is good. God is able to show up and do things even for your animals. Hallelujah. This is going to go out on TV, and there are going to be some people around the nation being like, what? There's one more piece to this I want to give you, and that is when God comes to bring deliverance, He wants full deliverance. He doesn't just want to bless part of you, set a little bit of you free. He wants to come and set you completely free. He wants to come and bring total deliverance. So all ten plagues happen, and then finally Pharaoh kicks them out, and then Moses goes in front and leads the children of Israel, and they come to the Red Sea, and they can't go any further because the Red Sea's in front of them. And then Pharaoh's army starts marching from behind them. So you've got an insurmountable object in front of you and the, one of the baddest armies on the planet behind you. So what are they going to do? So the people get there and the, the, the Israelites start complaining. We told you, Moses. Leave us back there. It, you know, God wanted to take them out and He didn't take them immediately to the promised land because He had to work that slavery mentality out of them. He had to work that, that junk out of their minds. It was better being under slavery eating onion soup. It's better back there under slavery eating onion soup. But Moses is trying to tell them, no, i got a land flowing with milk and honey, guys. God's already promised it to us. you just got to get this out of your mind. So they show up at the Red Sea, insurmountable object in front of them, Pharaoh's army behind them, and they complain to Moses. And finally, God, uh, Moses goes to God and prays, and God says, don't complain to me, in so many words. Don't do, go speak the word. Hold up that rod I gave you. You go do the work. And so he stands up to the Israelites and he says, Hold on. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. These, is, these Egyptians you see today, you'll see no more again for the rest of your life. Oh, he had some faith he mustered up. These guys who have been oppression, oppressing you, you'll never see them again. He said that before the miracle happened. I, I'm going I'm to tell this church. He said that before the miracle happened. I'm going to tell the back row. He said that before the miracle happened. Because when you're the only faith one, you look like the craziest man in the house, but it doesn't matter. You stand forth and you speak what God has given you. You have the power of deliverance in your tongue. 
and he stands up and he speaks that, you'll see them no more again for the rest of your life. And then all night long, Moses held his rod up and God caused a wind to come. And that wind started building walls out of that water and it dried the land out before them. So the Israelites then, when it was finished, they started marching across. Marched across dry land with walls of water. Now some scholars have said no. The water was only ankle deep so it wouldn't have been that difficult to cross at that time of the year of the Egyptian sea. And I like what one preacher said. Well, if it was only ankle deep water, then a greater miracle happened. And that was the Egyptian armies were drowned in ankle deep water. But when the Egyptian armies came through, Then the walls crashed down and they were completely gone, never to again be seen for the rest of their lives. What am I saying? When God sets you free, you'll never have to look at this stuff again for the rest of your life. You'll never have to go back to that bondage, that addiction, that problem, that mindset again for the rest of your life. Because when God comes and does His work, He does it well. And when He comes, He completes what He starts. Hallelujah. He who began a good work in you will complete it under the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He's coming to work sanctification in you. He's coming to work His goodness in you. He's coming to work His holiness in you. Come on, If you want to be set free, stand on your feet right now and give God the greatest shout of this day. Say, God, I am here. I'm going to raise my hand. God, I know you can bring full deliverance. I speak it out of my lips, God. I declare it into the atmosphere. I say it over my family this morning. Who the sun sets free, he is free indeed. Give him a praise. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. I have a cousin named, y'all stand with me, we're going to pray, but I have a cousin named Eric who was, uh, grew up in Iowa. He and I were good friends. We would spend summers together, and uh, he just, I don't know, he just, uh, I got a call from him one night. I was living in Virginia Beach pastoring in Chesapeake, and I got a call from him one night, and he was drunk, and we talked a little bit. But I could tell this conversation was going nowhere. So the family knew he had cirrhosis of the liver at the age of 30 and that he was dying. So the family calls me later and they said, have you talked to your cousin? Because everyone was kind of supposed to call him to give him their farewells. Well, we talked one more time. And when he called me this time, I could tell he was probably still drunk. And I said, you know what, Eric, let me tell you something. I'm in a revival meeting right now. Why don't you come to Chesapeake, Virginia and get in this revival with me? Now, he wasn't raised in a church that had revivals. I don't even ever heard the word. So he told his mom. He said, Mom, Hans has invited me to a retreat. (laughs) Hans has invited me to a retreat, and I want to go. And his mother called me, and she was all disturbed. She said, Hans... I don't know that you know what you're getting into. He's got some issues. I said, listen, I understand that. But if I can't help him, then what in the world am I doing? What am I doing in this business, so to speak? So they wouldn't trust him with a car. They wouldn't give him an airplane ticket. They set him on a Greyhound bus from Knoxville, Iowa to Norfolk, Virginia. 
it took about 30 hours, 24 hours, something like that. And I went one night, just got out of church, had a suit on, and met him at the Norfolk Greyhound Station. And uh, he looked like a, a, a shell of what he used to be. I didn't know it, but he was carrying drugs on him right then. I took him to a fine eating establishment called Waffle House. And he and I had breakfast, and I took him home. And we set some parameters for him, and we took him to church the first night. Had a good friend preaching named Doug Eccles. <laughs> Doug gave an altar call. And right where Mike and Lita are sitting here, he would have been sitting like where Lita was, but where Mike was was an elderly gentleman who had evidently fallen asleep. And when Doug gave the altar call, he couldn't get out because that guy was asleep, so he jumped to the first pew, and he came to the altar, gave his heart to the Lord, and God set him free. Seven days later, he was raised in a denominational church that didn't believe this. Seven days later, he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. I laid hands on him and started speaking in tongues. He had been in and out of eight alcohol rehabilitation programs been through DTs, saw pygmy men running at him and demonic creatures, unbelievable. Been through eight rehab programs. And he was very smart. He's, still, he's a super smart guy. He said, I could teach all of them, Hans. But what they couldn't do, God did in just a few seconds. What they couldn't do, God did. And I'm not downing. There, there is some success to those programs. I think it's single digits. But when God goes, comes and does something, He does it to the full. He sets you free to the full. He went on and got married, got a liver transplant, had a young child. Hallelujah. 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 You don't have to live in bondage the rest of your life. But you don't know what my dad did. I, I, hey, understand. We come from stuff, man. We come out of backgrounds, and if you heard some of our stories, it'd blow your mind. You, I don't care. You can shake all that off right now in Jesus' name. You don't have to be like your dad. You don't have to be like your mom. You don't have to be like any. Well, it's passed down through my generations. No, that stops now. It's, it ends with me. It ends at the bloodline. All of that ends with me. The curse has been removed. Galatians 3.13. There was one who hung on a tree for me that broke all of that curse off my life. And I'm not going back to it. Hallelujah. I'm not digging it back up. Bless God. I've been set free. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm not perfect, but I've been delivered. Hallelujah. I'm not perfect, but I've been sanctified and I've been set apart for His purposes. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm not perfect, but I know I have a home in heaven. I know my name is written on the Lamb's Book of Life. I know I'm not the man I used to be. I know I'm, I'm a blood-bought. I'm a spirit-filled. I'm a tongue-talking, a devil-chasing, a dead man-raising, hallelujah, sanctified man. Come on, somebody give the Lord a praise in here right now. Come on, somebody give the Lord a praise in here right now. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody give him a praise. There's deliverance in this room right now. 
Come on, give him a praise right now. Hallelujah. God wants to set you free and set you fully free. He's coming to blow everything out that's hindering your progression in the faith. Come on, raise your hands and give him a praise. On, we're going to pray. Raise your hands with me right now. Come on. I want you to join me, Dana. Come on, y'all raise your hands right now. Come on, everybody lifting your hands right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, we're going to pray right now. Come on, I want you to repeat after me. Father, forgive me of all sin. Anything that's impeding my progress, I repent and get out in the name of Jesus. And now, Lord, I give you 100% control of my life. Come and take over, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and fill me to the maximum. Fill me to overflowing. And now I speak the word of deliverance over my life I declare I am free every demon is cast out in Jesus name Satan you have no authority you have no access you have no open door everything is closed by the blood and I am set free in the powerful and in the majestic and in the matchless name of Jesus and now I'm going to give you praise Lord Hallelujah. Why don't you take 60 seconds and put your hands together and give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Come on. Go ahead and praise Him like you just got set free. Hallelujah. Okay, here. Come on. Come on. One more time. Raise your hand with me. Come on, we declare pornography is bound and has no authority in this house. It has no authority. It has no place in our life in the name of Jesus. Come on, I declare drugs and alcohol addiction is gone right now. It has no authority in our life. Come on, I declare negative oppressive thoughts are gone. It has no authority in our lives. I declare depression is bound and goes right now in Jesus' name. I declare anxiety is bound and goes right now in Jesus' name. Come on, if you got set free, raise your hands and give Him a praise. In the name of Jesus, come on. I declare right now physical healing coming. Right now physical healing coming. Right now back problems have no authority here. Cancer has no authority here. Come on, heart disease has no authority. Diabetes has no authority. Come on, blood conditions and issues have no authority. Come on, go ahead and raise your hand and declare it. Come on, mental disorders have no authority in Jesus' name. We declare the word of deliverance. You have been set free by the blood, by the cross, by the work. Come on, by the atonement. You've been set free in Jesus' name. Go ahead and act like it right now. And by faith, give Him a praise.
Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracles, signs, and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.